0: Hey listeners, welcome to another episode of Unverified Accounts. I'm Chris and I'm here with my fellow Unverifieds, Liza. Hi. And Philip. What's up, what's up? Philip? you were telling me how you had to
1: scrounge through your sweater now that it's fall season. I know, I packed all my shit away um, and I literally haven't had a sweater out all summer because it's been really, really nice. Uh, So now it's it's swapping over, it's kind of shitty, but it is what it is.
2: Fall is so stupid now. (laughs)
0: don't say that it's my it's my favorite season it's it's when i look the best because you look the best
2: (laughs) no i know you do like it used to i i actually like i really think that like fall is now associated with like basic white girls
0: oh yeah it's been like that for at least five years now why is that i I think it's
2: because of starbucks i think starbucks has really like they really really push their marketing in the fall season more than any other season like I really think that like the beginning of pumpkin spice latte, yeah. you know, when they would put it out like September 1st is when the pumpkin spice latte would be available at yeah. Starbucks. And I think that like Starbucks culture is now like coffee culture now is so tied to like suburban, like white girlness, that that's what happened to all of fall.
1: Is it suburban looked- though? Because like, you know, I think when I think about like coffee culture from my perspective, like third wave coffee shops and like That whole advancement, it's always urban. Like, you don't find these Well, yeah, I mean, if you grew
2: up... Okay, so, like, you, me, Phil, um, you and I are, like, almost the same age. And I think that when we were growing up and, like, even going to college in, like, the early 00s, I think that coffee culture was very much an alternative culture. Mm -hmm. And it's not alternative anymore. It is, like, straight up, like, suburban mom, um... I don't know like white girls wearing vests and like knee high boots, <laughs> riding boots,
1: going you know pumpkin picking, about? that kind of yeah, I kind of know what you mean.
2: Yeah, like stupid pictures at the pumpkin patch? Yeah. Or like if you're in the if you're in like the mom crowd, um it's like you take pictures of your kids being miserable at the pumpkin patch?
1: I'm just asking you like why do you think they have a monopoly over it, right? Cuz like anyone who
2: I think it's Starbucks marketing. I think it just it tells you how much their like their culture and their branding have had an effect on on all of us is it specifically just, feminine
1: like, like yogurt commercials or like what like i, I understand that only, yeah i feel like
2: know. it is because like pumpkin spice latte like i can't imagine a guy ordering that
1: <laughs> yeah
0: at this point it's probably a stigma but this brings me to an interesting question where it, it's like a chicken or egg thing because i think the the stigma behind pumpkin spice latte started before like starbucks realized it was a thing and now now they've doubled down on it so now so,
2: so starbucks didn't start it it just like <laughs> i think it was probably some
0: internet meme where people were just they were just noticing this thing that uh you know basic white bitches were doing and then everyone knew about it the coffee and culture starbucks- that i
2: grew up with in like in college it was like cigarettes and coffee mm-hmm. you know it's like people sitting they would get like an outdoor table and smoke because we totally missed it the smoking ban happened before we went to college, but
1: yeah. it was like
2: people sitting outside smoking and drinking coffee, and it was like always the alternative kids. It was never the sorority girls.
1: Because you know that um, you know that joke that people put up sometimes, where it's like, I saw a guy at the Starbucks the other day, and he didn't have a phone, he didn't have a laptop, he just sat there drinking his coffee like a psychopath. Yeah, well, like, what a freakazoid! <laughs> <laughs> is it is it kind of like is it kind of like that? Because I I you know I didn't really get into drinking. Yeah, coffee Yeah, I guess college, we were but. all
2: sitting in coffee shops because there was like no Wi Fi and like <laughs> uh, I guess we all just sat in coffee shops like psychos and just like sat there and drank coffee and like spoke to each other. Yeah,
1: maybe had a conversation or read a book
0: or whatever. Sir, how dare you come to a Starbucks to just drink coffee?
2: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you're on a college campus, you probably do have. Um, you probably are studying at a coffee shop, but it was never like the sorority girl thing to do.
0: Which is a shame because as I said, fall is the, the season where I think everyone looks best because summer, everyone's sweaty and, you know, not-, not No, I like that. Every-
2: summer, everyone is like half naked and sweaty and I like right, that. Right, but, you know, <laughs> like
0: most of us don't really have like a beach bod, you know, and then winter, everyone's bundled up. <laughs> Spring, I don't know, allergies uh, and whatever, but, you know, fall, ev- ev- everyone can look nice, you know, it's like, it's a very flattering season. It's a very flattering season.
2: The, the the positive about fall is that it's spooky season, which I like.
0: Yeah, but Halloween's like kind of cancelled like, this year. The though. horror
2: crowd yeah. is definitely not the suburban white girl crowd.
1: Yeah, it's the it's the uh, suburban mom crowd instead. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah,
0: and um, other stuff that happened. Uh, you guys watched the debate? Oh, it was
2: a busy news week this week. So mm. much shit has
0: happened. Actually, no, nobody even cares about the debate now because like Trump's got coronavirus, and honestly. I don't even know what to think of it anymore. So I, I, I hated how it went once it broke on Twitter. Everyone just like rushes to Twitter. Like it's the fucking gold rush. Cause everyone wants to be the next Sarah Cooper or something and make the next joke that goes. Yeah. Jokes. So yeah. I just stayed out. Uh, Trump could be dead right
1: now for all I know. And it, whatever, I, I just, I just stayed off of it. What do you, what do you think about this? This there's not this like kind of surge of people like at the meta level at Twitter right now who are saying this has been the best 24 hours or 48 hours of Twitter. Like when do you remember a time that was this good, right? So oh, I,
2: well, when Bernie was winning,
1: I guess so. But that was, was in, a while ago. That was serious. when
2: Parasite won Best Picture. That was like a that good, was good time. time. On, yeah, on for, for Twitter. Asian Twitter.
1: Yeah, Chris, why are you staying out of it? You just don't want to. <laughs> you just don't give a shit. You don't want to see what. Oh, uh, he's just like I can, I can already
0: see all the jokes. Um, you know, I can already anticipate them, and I, I do think it would be very darkly hilarious if he died just because you know when you read about i don't know if he's the only president but you know, you know how uh, harrison was the uh was the guy who died because he refused to wear a coat at his inauguration speech and then like
2: tell us about this who what? Uh,
0: president harrison like I, I think there were two ha- ha- uh, harrisons i don't know exactly know which one it was but um he he died within 30 days of Becoming president because at his inauguration address it was a rainy, cold day, and I think he was like, "I'm too manly to wear a coat," even though all his all his <laughs> like helpers were like, "Sir, Mr. President, it's very cold, you know." And you know, we're like living in the you know 19th century. We don't, our medicine's not that advanced, but he refused. <laughs> he got pneumonia and he died a month later uh, after he from he that event. President. Like it was
1: confirmed that at that event he got pneumonia.
0: Yeah, and then you read yeah. it as a history student, and you kind of laugh. Uh, yeah. now I'm just anticipating like 50 years from now, uh when people read American history, if like Trump dies from this, they're like, oh yeah, there was this guy named Trump, and then he he was president while like the worst uh pandemic in you know American history since you know the Spanish flu, uh ravaged the country. He denied it was real, called it a hoax. Uh, but then he died from it right before the election.
2: <laughs> okay, so what's worse, um, Trump, the COVID denier, like say he does survive, what's worse the Trump the COVID denier or Trump the like another casualty to COVID.
0: So the thing, I, which one? The thing. Oh, there's like I think both outcomes are negative. Obviously, if he dies, there's going to be all sorts of hysteria. I've already seen a right winger try to blame this on China, uh, saying that. Uh, you know, they assassinated him or whatever.
1: Uh, (laughs) uh, That's made its way to, to, like, mainstream news already. It's pretty crazy. Yeah, I'm sure they'll
0: also blame, like, the socialists, which I find hilarious because if, like, the American socialists were that competent, able to pull off that kind of assassination, you would think they would at least be able to beat Joe Biden in the Democratic primaries, but... Uh, mm. that's not the story And but then if he survives I feel like he's gonna have this I'm Superman narrative I'm, I've been resurrected I'm yeah, Jesus we, Christ yeah we let's reopen
2: the country fully fuck it who cares if you get COVID you'll survive I did yeah, so, if you're manly like me you yeah. will stop wearing your masks I never wear one right so and then he'll push, like, some experimental treatment on us that, like, he's going to force us all to buy. Yeah, I know?
0: mean, well, so long we'll like, as it. If stock you don't buy it,
2: yeah. it, then, like, you're just going to get COVID and die. But if you do buy it and you listen to me, you're a patriot. you'll survive. <laughs> yep. mm-hmm. Yeah. Chris, are you the one that told me that the company that's doing, that's uh performing the experimental treatments on him, their stock has gone no, up?
1: No, I think that was Philip. I don't think I said that. Yeah, it's popped up 5%. Philip, show that? It popped pop 5% after, after the market's closed. Like, it's pretty significant. Yeah, I mean, he's probably buddies with the CEO because the CEO was definitely like on CNN, you know, giving a speech about how it's going to work out and stuff. So it's all kind of fucked up.
2: You know, one good thing about fall, Chris, I was just thinking about is that in addition to it being spooky season, <laughs> it's also typically like movie awards season. So like, this is when all the good movies come out. Borat's new movie, um, Sacha that's Baron not, that's not Cohen's Oscar new movie Bay, come Borat. On. <laughs> no, of course not. But I mean, it's like a big enough like it's a movie that like it's a movie that. I think people will definitely sit and watch like he's not losing anything by not going with a theatrical release. Like he's not going to get nominated for an Oscar or anything, but people will watch it and talk about it.
0: Uh, Speaking of movies, I recently got a movie projector and seriously, it's like the the closest thing uh, to having movie pass again, because it really does feel like you're in your own (laughs) little theater. Uh, You get to watch whatever (laughs) you want. And it's like bringing me a bit of happiness. In these times that's nice i highly that's recommend nice. it They're-
2: remember that i signed up for every single streaming platform
0: mm-hmm.
2: october 1st came and went and i never canceled any of them
0: yeah i signed up for the showtime free trial just to watch karate kid for free and i, I canceled how is it. it uh showtime it's, it's like okay he, here's how desperate they are okay so i went to the <laughs> under the movies um category i went to the classics. And mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. in their first row, I saw Agent Cody Banks. I'm like, that's a that's a <laughs> big oh <my> <laughs> reach, That's, that's their top.
1: That's in the top left corner. That's what they want to promote. Holy <laughs> shit! Well,
0: it was in the top row. It wasn't exactly the top uh, one, but it was like, wow, you know, if this like, you, this just is a sacrilege to the definition of class. Okay, what was know. actually
1: good on there? What was that when you scroll through and browse, Like, what was
0: actually? I mean, good I on recently there? watched Anything? the Last Days of Disco on it, uh, which was nice. I think um, it's on
2: Criterion too, though.
0: Uh, not not Criterion Channel, not the streaming. I look mm. there. Uh, they only have Metropolitan. Um, oh, um, I like that movie too. Yeah, yeah. Like a you know, like another director who's like politics you may not agree with, but I I think I really like Whit Stillman. He's he's a very good director. And makes very entertaining movies. You
2: know that I never care about right, the right. director's yeah. politics that much mm-hmm. when it comes to a movie.
0: Anyway, should we get on to our topics? Let's do it. All right. Yeah. Uh, so mm-hmm. recently, it was the tenth anniversary apparently of the Social Network, which we didn't even know about. We we were just gonna do this episode on social media because the Social Dilemma is 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 like a hot documentary right now, and it, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, it, uh, things lined up. So well, so why don't we start off with the Social Dilemma because I mean that that's like the the big thing right now. What do you guys think of it?
2: I didn't really learn anything new yeah. from it. It's like all this stuff, like social media, is bad and it's designed to be addictive and harmful, and um, it will affect your self esteem. And it's like I knew all this already. I don't know why this. I don't know why this um, documentary was made like now when it's like people have been talking about the negative effects of social media for yeah. years. Has there
1: has there been like a you know kind of um, like. High production value documentary made on this topic with a bunch of key players from the industry because you know how they you know they interview all sorts of folks who worked at Facebook and Pinterest mm-hmm. and whatever, right? I don't think anyone's put something together that's just this, this like you know glossy and maybe palatable for the mainstream. Yeah, they
2: definitely spent money yeah, for on sure. it. Yeah, sure. And. And they got like recognizable Yo, actors. What a waste to of money, though. Like, it.
0: did
1: you. Like,
2: Jared from Booksmart is the. Um, yeah, that the guy. Main I kid. was like,
0: where have I seen this This kind of like dweeby looking kid? And it was from Booksmart. All the
1: reenactment parts, right? Where yeah. they kind of do like the, the fictionalization or gravitation. I don't think
0: anybody liked. I don't understand what the hell. Yeah, they were a lot going were like, for. That was
1: not necessary, but I guess it's just to help illustrate. I don't know it comes <laughs> off as a little bit patronizing because it, it's trying to illustrate like how things are working behind the scenes, right? Because you got like. Mm-hmm pete from madman mm-hmm. like as the algorithm driving what yeah ads and-, and, and, and that was just very distracting
0: like why is pete <laughs> campbell in here are they trying to say that like, this is the <laughs> new generation of madman and um and also
2: like maybe yeah i didn't see it that way like, but the dramatization yeah, also maybe? raised
0: a lot of backstory question because i mean i said the two lies i was like wait a minute why is the mom white and the dad black but two of the three kids are clearly White, and it's like, okay, so this is probably like like a step by step situation where you've got combined family, it's like a
2: blended family because they were, you know, they are both, um, they're both like divorced parents right. who got together, yeah. but then it's
0: like, it. it when when you're thinking about that then you're like and then missing... they had their
2: own kid apparently because the one kid is definitely right mixed. right
0: and that just like, raises all stor- uh, all co- sorts of questions about who these people are when you should really be that paying attention to that
2: have nothing to do with the devil <laughs> no, right was
1: that in, i mean was that intentional because i felt like that and the whole like you know the whole extreme centrist like political movement that the oh yeah we got to get to yeah. that extreme centrist thing <laughs> like- <laughs> which
0: totally confused it me It
1: felt a little bit like those like the family composition and like the like the political stuff was kind of like tongue-in-cheek a little bit self-aware of what's you know people are talking about online you know with respect to like representation in media and so on and so maybe they just like use yeah, this opportunity uh, to, to make a comment about that right like with these characters but
0: i think they went for diversity without realizing all the questions it raised. But Philip, with the extreme centrist thing, like you and I <laughs> had a you know discussion because I was very confused because... You didn't even you didn't realize I, what was, was going on. <laughs> you thought it was like probably like a far-right
1: group that he was joining, right? <laughs>
0: well, well, I thought it was supposed to
1: be a far-right yeah, group, but the, that's what actually uh, the
0: documentary was, was too cowardly to outright say it. So they made it very vague about... You know, like, I saw things like, don't vote, you know, like, the system sucks. You know, that could be either the far left or the far right. You think they they were trying to uh do, like,
1: you know, there's bad people on both sides, so let's just talk about this. I
0: thought they were doing, like, a Pepsi ad kind of thing where you don't really know what the, you know, big upheaval is about. it's just trying to be inclusive to everyone but then you said to me that it was an extreme centrist group and i thought you were i thought you were punking no. me and i was like okay good one philip like what were they really about and you were like no didn't you pay attention apparently not i guess maybe i was maybe i was on my phone you know uh doing my social media <laughs> stuff uh, or whatever yeah
1: I, I don't know that was definitely like intentional but I, I don't know what they were trying to i feel like they were again being A little bit self-aware that like, oh, obviously, like it's a far right shit that's dangerous. Like, obviously, right? Like, we all know that. So why don't we just like not go that way and just like take this kind of middle route, you know, and let people kind of fill the blanks in, you know, themselves. Um, I don't know if it was effective or not because apparently it was just really confusing. But, you know, that was definitely intentional, right? They're definitely trying to um, paint this neutral picture of like you can fall on either side. Uh, and we'll we'll get more into that when we talk about cults and how that kind of relates to social media i think
0: i mean it's so ridiculous the idea that like an extreme centrist would get arrested by the police i mean he, i mean extreme <laughs> okay, centrist <yeah. laughs> are like terrorists on twitter with their lame posting like that guy like brooklyn dad defiant remember that that guy like showed you
2: i have muted him like <laughs> and it doesn't even work when you mute people on social media because he still pops up over and over again well because
0: other people will tweet him yes. right Retweet some I have people to look you, you yeah, it yeah, so so know like,
2: it's like uh, whack-a-mole
0: uh, yeah right um so it, it was just ridiculous um but the thing that really did uh uh, m 2 our, our friend m 2 he recently put up a review, a scathing review of the social dilemma. Which, you know, I, I didn't really like this documentary, but yeah, yeah, And he was really pissed about it. and I thought he had a great point, where this was essentially like a, a way for all these people who had gotten rich off of social media to now, oh, yeah, now the role of yeah, now they're the going to show guys. their guilt
2: and like, oh, you know, after we studied so much about like human psychology at the highest level, like at Stanford University. And we didn't know that it was going to have this negative effect on teenagers. It's like, what the fuck? Of course you did.
0: And this is no, and this got Justin Rosenstein. Uh, he's the guy who invented the Facebook like feature. And uh, at the end, he says something like, "Well, when we invented the like feature, we just thought it would spread happiness. You know, people would just click likes on what they like. No, it makes people like commit
2: suicide, and it like right, <laughs> it makes people's self esteem just plummet."
0: Right. And there's a part where they uh, they say like uh, self-harm and suicide uh, rates for young girls uh, suddenly spiked in like 2009, Mm -hmm, 2010, mm -hmm. which I thought was very curious because Facebook really became big in the mid 2000s. You know, like if you watch the social network, it was like invented around 2003. Um, I went to college in 2006 and that's when I first started using Facebook. That was also the same year that high schoolers started using it. So it wasn't as if suddenly 2009, 2010, that's when, you know, young girls would have gotten Facebook. They would have gotten it like four years before. But guess what changed in 2009? The fucking like mm-hmm. feature was was implemented. And for this guy to be like, we didn't know. Look, I remember when, you know, we first had Facebook, people would be competitive about everything. Yeah. Even like how many friends Entire. you had on Facebook that was visible to everyone. Remember that? Yeah, you could easily see who's the popular person and stuff. So, bullshit that they didn't know that uh, a metric like that would, would have peop- impact on people's psychology.
1: I, I don't know if they would, like, I kind of believe them that they didn't think it was necessarily a negative thing, but they definitely engineered it so that people would engage with that feature, mm-hmm. right? That, that people would want to get likes or want to get tagged on photos. That was super intentional.
0: Well, I was going to say, and anybody who's gone through grade school knows when you're competing for likes and popularity, what will ensue. Mm-hmm. Like, don't tell me they
1: didn't know, right? Yeah, it's just a it's just a digital continuation of the bullshit you go through you know in in meat space already right in school um but now it's everywhere because it's in your fucking pocket and you can't get away from it right and if you try to get away from it you like you miss out on yeah. shit. uh you speaking know. of pocket though i actually
0: uh don't have any social media apps on my phone i don't have twitter i don't have oh, facebook yeah? uh, the only apps I, I really use are dating apps <laughs> but besides <laughs> that uh I think I think it's been good because, like you know, Facebook I, I don't use much anyway. But you know, Twitter earlier this year I decided to get rid off of my phone. And I think it's really good because the only time I use it now is when I'm on a computer, and I think that does cut down on just oh I got nothing to do. I better better check Twitter on my phone kind of thing. What about you guys? What, what apps do you have on your phone in terms of social media? All of them.
2: <laughs> no, I, uh, I have Instagram, Twitter, and Instagram, and then I have Signal.
0: Well, I don't really count that as social media. That's just like messaging, right?
1: Uh, I'm, you know, like the big social media. I mean, those are like, like the main you know, ones, right? Yeah. I mean, the, the ones that you're on, yeah. right? Basically. I have Twitter. I don't have, I deleted Facebook. I have TikTok on there, ago. but I
2: don't have an account.
1: I have, I have TikTok. Just like, someone told me they had a really nice user interface for like video editing. So I want to check out what that looked <laughs> like. Um, but I don't use, like, I, don't have, I don't post stuff. Yeah. Like, I don't use it. You know, and they talk about this in the, in the uh, documentary too, but if you treat, if you treat social media as a tool, as like a communication mm-hmm. tool, to like connect with old friends or make plans or whatever, and you kind of ignore the feed shit, like all the other stuff that's like algorithmically delivered to you, then it's perfectly fine Like it's a perfectly useful new yeah. thing, right? Because there are kind of upsides to social media. Like my mom, for example, has connected with like all of her old relatives and friends back in Vietnam, which is pretty amazing. Like that wasn't really Yeah, that's
2: like the best part about or, it is being able to talk to people in the Philippines like for free, basically. Yeah
1: yeah but the problem is that you can't just put it down like you can't just use it for that and put it down because they have everything engineered like the like buttons the tagging you know the friend counts um all that stuff like instagram stories right things that disappear so you got to see them while they're still there um all that draws you back in and draws you into like kind of the dark side of uh, social media so and that's what this this documentary is kind of highlighting like that aspect of it really
0: yeah another thing i didn't like about the documentary was they act as if like social media was like all the people getting like crazy and angry on social media, they acted as if like these people would have been totally happy and content were it not for social media. And they didn't really go to underlying right. problems. We wouldn't
2: be so dismiss. Kinda- or we wouldn't be so divisive if it weren't for social media. Yeah, I kind of got that too. Right. And I was like, are- is this what they're <laughs> really trying to say? Do they really believe this?
0: I think in the end, they started going into about, oh, you know, if, when, when this, when the whole like system incentivizes people to. You know, Mark basically turned himself into brands. This is what happens. They kind of give lip service to to that at the end. But I think the most of the documentary makes it seem as if we were living in this pretty good world until (laughs) social media came and warped everyone's brain. So it was a great world
2: until about like the mid, the mid, the early 2000s then. Okay. Right.
0: So Mm. um, I I think that's a very self-flattering look at our own society that everything was good. Well, look who made the
2: documentary.
0: Right, it's like, oh, who 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 made it?
2: Well, it's the people that are involved, and it's like they they are so self absorbed. Like, oh God, we changed the world, but was it for better or, or worse?
1: Oh, oh, you mean the people who were interviewed? I thought you meant like the creators. Like, you no, know? yeah. who, yeah, the, the people guy? who had some
0: agenda. who's the main guy? Tristan Tristan Harris. Tristan yeah. Harris. Yeah. Why does he pronounce the name? Is that like the proper like Germanic way to say uh, say Tristan? I, have I always whatever. pronounced I know, it but...
2: Tristan because of um that movie uh legends of the fall oh yeah wasn't his name <laughs> one tristan? of
0: the corniest movies i've ever seen no legends of the fall has one of my favorite all-time lines uh when remember when brad pitt's in world war one and his and his like little brother yeah. dies in his arms yeah. L- brad pitt guess what he says he's like uh, he looks up the sky and he's like god damn you god <laughs> <laughs> i always laugh so hard at that line uh,
2: <laughs> anyway that's the first time i heard the name tristan before
0: Right, right. So anyway, uh, Tristan, this guy, he's like, oh, you know, is this a culpa about how he ruined the world and stuff? You know, which, you know, he possibly might have. But it's like, okay, then do we get to hang you or something? Like, <laughs> um, maybe you could donate
1: all your money. That'd be nice. I'm down with his mission. I actually uh, briefly worked with him back mm. in the day. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I he, he is, he was back then and still is now, like, very genuine about this. Like, this is a huge fucking problem. We should do something about it and the fact that all these articles that we've already read and this documentary came out about this problem is attributed to his work so that's fine my big question is with this documentary the social dilemma is is it now like okay now like it's super mainstream this understanding that you know social media is bad and has corrupted us and so on but is anything going to actually fucking change like you know I don't like think so we anymore. have all this understanding about this like yeah this like slot machine in our pockets but have we and some of us have talked about Oh, we deleted a couple apps and stuff, but fundamentally speaking, has any of that actually changed or is going to change after the stupid doc Mm -mm. comes out? I don't really think so. No, I I think
0: it'll it it'll uh, clear consciences of some people, especially the people some people uh, who are billionaires, yeah, who are (laughs) up there.
2: Do you think that they really feel that guilty, or do you think that was just acting for the documentary?
0: I do think think they feel enough guilt that they're willing to say you know not not gloat over or what they did but um they probably still think that they're the ones to save
1: us Mm -hmm. all there's no sacrifice made right like these like you know uh rosenstein he's he's a billionaire from his time at facebook uh and asana and on the plus side he's part of this thing called the giving pledge which was formed by i think bill gates and buffett um where you pledge to give away i think 99 percent of your wealth so like there's that okay fine there's also people who critique that whole problem of like letting billionaires kind of Mm -hmm. run the world right through their charities and shit so but but he's uh, the point i'm making is that he's fine he's still gonna have like you know 10 million bucks in the bank after he gives away 99 right so it doesn't hurt him at all to say this shit and he's still benefiting from these companies even after he's made these critiques so like you know yeah i I agree with you chris and and mtume too like this is really just about kind of Pontius Pilate, like washing their hands clean to some mm-hmm. extent, right? By putting this mm-hmm. out there.
0: Yeah. And philanthropy, it's just like, you guys know that, that George Costanza line where he's like thinking of becoming a philanthropist and he says something like, <laughs> I'd have all this money and then people would come to me for help. And if I felt like it, I'd help them out. And then they'd owe me big time. I think that's the, the <laughs> ego maniacal great... drive behind philanthropy yeah. Yeah, for that's, most that's people. That's great. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but then uh, to supplement this, we also watched the social network. Uh, you know, as it was the 10th anniversary, which we didn't even know about before this. I think that this, this is a rewatch very... for all
2: of us, right?
0: Yeah, I watched it a long time ago. Uh, fired up on my movie projector a few nights ago.
2: I saw it in the theaters when it came out.
0: Yeah, what year did know. it come out? It was 2010. <laughs> yeah, yep. I think. Oh, well, 09 I was like, prob- I was like,
2: Matt, like, pretty pregnant then when I saw it in theaters. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean. One of the most jarring things about watching the movie, I think the movie has aged very well, but is, you know, when they're like, you know, the only asset they have in the beginning is that it's cool, whereas now it's terminally uncool. you know what he
2: says though remember, mm. remember what um Jesse Eisenberg, who playing Mark Zuckerberg, says in the movie, he says that like it's like you know, when they ask him, is Facebook done? you know, and he's like, it's like fashion. It's never done, right? And you know how like fashion is like super in style in one moment. And now 10 years later, it's extremely out of fashion. Like Facebook is the least cool of all the social media platforms.
1: But but it's been replaced by new, it's still there, but it's also been replaced by new trends like Instagram, now TikTok, right? Twitter and so on. Not Twitter maybe, but but like, yeah, that's that was very astute because I, I think like social media is kind of a... It's a, it's a bit of a ticking time bomb. You, you get this audience for a brief period of time, and then suddenly you're not cool anymore. You're not selling to like the most sellable audiences anymore. And so you had to move on to something else. And But the thing is, Facebook becomes so powerful that the first one to to IPO and have so much money that they can just buy off the competition that comes next. Yeah, like and, Instagram. and I think that's the ultimate triumph of Facebook is that it's transcended coolness. It doesn't really depend on the whims
0: of... You know, like college kids or high school kids anymore. You, mm-hmm. we also have like Snapchat has now become totally insignificant. Facebook is uh, like right wingers and boomers, right? But yeah. it's, it, but still, people are like it's served such a, a necessary function right now that it doesn't really even matter if it if it's cool or not. uh Whereas other platforms really do depend on on that thing. I so, deleted the aesthetic uh, the distance
2: end. Facebook page, like. A while ago, (laughs) like remember how like if you were if you had like a blog or if you had like anything like a business or if you were like a public figure, if you didn't have a Facebook page along with a website, you might as well like not even have a social security number, you know?
1: Yeah, 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 yeah.
2: We've we've moved past that now, where it's like you don't you don't need Facebook to to legitimize yourself.
1: What is that ID now? Is that your Instagram? Handle? um
2: it's not anything anymore it's so like there was my private page um my my personal facebook account and then there was the aesthetic distance page and now it's just i don't have a public mm-hmm. presence on on facebook anymore
1: remember when uh, uh your icq number was your in identifier oh oh my God, that's, that's <laughs> What's that?
2: Is that like it was AIM? like a okay, well, the
1: precursor well, to <laughs> aim
0: which was yeah i uh, don't think i had that my first one was aim I'm, I'm dating myself heavily, but anyway, I digress. Um, Liza, you you brought up how, you know, Philip and I aren't fans of Aaron Sorkin. Um, you know, I do think he was very good when uh, writing this movie. And in fact, I, this time around, I I, re- I noticed that he has a little cameo as one of, like, those hedge fund manager types who rejects Facebook, <laughs> which I don't know if is, like, a, kind of a knowing nod to his own disdain for the internet. Uh-huh. And I was trying to figure out, like, why is... Why is the social network so good, whereas something like the newsroom is so bad, and I think it's because what they have in common is Aaron Sorkin's much uh, well-known disdain for the internet. Uh-huh. But the problem with the newsroom is that in disdain the internet, he points to like the righteous alternative, which is like the traditional newsroom anchor type, which just is just silly. as bad. Whereas yeah. the social network, he's you know is very even less uh,
2: democratic. The newsroom,
0: right? Well, uh, and in, in, in the social network, he is. Uh, very critical of, uh, you know, just social networks and the people who, who behind it and the and the motivations behind it. But he doesn't point to like, oh, you know what? We should go back to the old days when the gentleman at Harvard would uh, write letters to their Radcliffe sweethearts. He doesn't do anything corny like that. He just says like, this is a kind of fucked up thing where fucked up people with fucked up motives are behind it, but he doesn't neatly present a solution. And I think that that's the reason it works and has been able to age pretty gracefully because it didn't pretend to know everything. It, it more highlights a problem mm-hmm. and doesn't pretend to know how to fix it. Are you guys
2: going to watch Trial, the Chicago Seven, when it comes out?
0: Is it, it, it? You said it's on Netflix. It's going to be. Yeah, maybe. Um, at least if it's bad, uh, it's going to be an entertaining bad. Like, did you guys ever watch the newsroom, the Gabby Giffords uh, episode?
2: Which one was that?
0: I remember when Gabby Giffords was, was shot and uh, all that. I mean, it was this uh, episode where some. No, well, like the newsroom actually redid the news. So uh, the climax of the episode is when she is shot and nobody knows if she's dead or not. And all the other networks have pronounced her dead. But um, Jeff Daniels' newsroom is the only one who holds firm. And then uh, almost as if because they didn't announce her dead, she is risen from from the grave and then Coldplay's place fix you starts blaring in the background it is so bad
1: What? and
2: back when i was a uh, fashion blogger um gabby gifford's team called me when they were in baltimore and she was um giving a speech if i could put together an outfit for her
0: oh sure, oh, yeah? did you
2: i didn't get a chance to because they called me like two days beforehand and they were just like can you drop the outfit off like tomorrow and i mm. had other things going on i wish yeah. i did it though but then it's like, at the same time, I also don't know how to dress a congresswoman. Like, I don't, yeah, I, don't that's, I don't really...
0: Yeah, it's like, you can't go too stylish, right? But you can't make her look too dowdy. Like,
1: what, it's what's, like, really yeah, not yeah, it's, what it's it's I
2: weird.
1: do. I don't. Was it bike shorts back I know, it's then? like, no?
2: what do I give her? Like, bike shorts and like a lace bra <laughs> and like a wife beater and some high tops? Like, what do I give her? <laughs> All
0: right. Oh, man. Another thing I really liked about the social network is I think it just got that kind of
2: it's just a good movie,
0: very well like i think it's a very good
2: movie uh it it fails if you look beyond its entertainment value where it is just too generous with uh mark zuckerberg's character you know looking back on it you're just like he's just this misunderstood guy who just like wants friends so he made this app and like he's a misunderstood genius kind of like a goodwill hunting type you know but less uh
1: No, but there's there's more. He's he's cunning and he's like he he's uh, you know conniving in the movie too. Yeah, I mean like when you
2: yeah they they touch on he's a little bit like he might have like Asperger's or something, you know, and then like in real life he's a fucking psychopath. He's a a, a sociopath, I guess is better.
1: Yes. Yeah.
0: Well, in the movie they they make very strong hints that he's like a red pill kind of guy like they make it as if the whole reason he did facebook was to get revenge on this girl who dumped him when i mean like one of the good things about zuckerberg is he actually has a very boring personal life he's been with his wife for a long time i've never heard of any drama they seem like a pretty well-matched happy couple so that aspect Mm -hmm. seems totally made up but i think they did get that type of person right you know the the angry guy on the internet kind of thing jesse
2: eisenberg is much more sympathetic than real Mark zuckerberg
0: Right, like they're both yeah sociopaths, but uh, Jesse Eisenberg plays a much more interesting sociopath. Mark Zuckerberg is like the worst type of sociopath, <laughs> like a boring sociopath.
1: So yeah, he's very he's very flat, right? But you've also have you seen those like Mark Zuckerberg is an android memes on right, Japan? right? And, <laughs> Are you yeah. serious? One thing, yeah, I'll send you some. Like they're pretty funny. Well, yeah,
0: because like he, he like never blinks. He doesn't have an expression on his face. He's yeah um he had that incident where he wore like, too much sunscreen. Oh, when he was surfing while, like, in Hawaii. Sk- Surfing, yeah, <laughs> but but like Jesse Eisenberg, Mark Zuckerberg could never be accused of being an android. You know, he has great lines. I would he... like
2: to settle this debate with film Twitter once and for all that mm-hmm. Jesse Eisenberg is greater than Michael Sarah.
0: Uh, um, well, I mean, so I don't probably, um,
2: not probably. Michael not Cera just probably.
0: Plays himself
1: in every fucking.
0: I don't. I not even know that was a raging debate or anything.
1: Okay, Michael Sarah is so himself that one time when a friend of mine spotted him at a bar in Toronto. He was basically, like, himself. Like, he had the same weird posture. He wore, like, a small backpack, which he, like, sat down with. At, like, the, the same shit you'd expect, you know, uh, uh, his character in the rest of development to do, too. Like, he's he is just that guy, and he just plays that guy in every movie. He sat
2: down with his backpack. Yeah,
1: so... Yeah, he had his backpack on and sat down in the chair while having a beer. Like, you know. Jesse Eisenberg certainly has
0: more range. He's played Mark Zuckerberg. He's he, uh, in the the squid whale. and the whale. He, mm. Roger
2: Dodger with John Cusack. Uh,
0: he played Lex Luthor yeah, yeah. right in one of the oh, bad yeah, yeah, Superman yeah, yeah. movies. Uh, wasn't he in that movie about like magicians? Speaking of Red Pillars,
2: like, uh, we should we should watch uh, Roger Dodger together sometime if you haven't seen it.
0: Uh, sure, okay. That
2: is one I own okay. it, so I can watch it mm-hmm. anytime. Just when you get a hand, hold of it.
0: Right, yeah, and uh, the social network also has like one of my favorite scenes that involves Asian Americans. It is at that AE, that pathetic AE pie party, the the symbolic when he talks about the algorithm
2: that that he's developing to figure out why Jewish guys and Asian girls are like so um attracted to each other.
0: Right, and and it's like that's like I really admire the movie for just putting it out there like because i think that's just one of the things that that if you especially if you went to college in those days uh you obviously saw these this stuff happen but you couldn't really like talk about it and stuff. for for this movie to in like 2009 to put it out there um, i think that I there's a difference of who can talk refreshing. about it
2: right it's like white guys have more freedom to talk about it but asian guys can't
0: Right, right. Like and the, then, you
2: can talk about it. It's just that um, the conversation doesn't get shut down by white women when white guys talk about it. But the conversation will Asian definitely women, yeah. get shut down if Asian guys bring it up. Asian women will shut it down.
0: Right. And then um, it reminded me of this. Uh, I, I don't know. I must have been like a freshman or something. I, I don't know what I was doing. Uh, but it, it was like I, for whatever reason. I think it was like some random week night. I was in this like frat house just hanging out with some people. And I just overheard these guys who were playing beer pong and they were part of like one of the mainstream frats and they were just shit talking AEPI. And they were just t- saying shit like, man, you know, like all the guys in, in the, like our friend, the other guys were all like, you know, tall, handsome and all that, but all the AEPI guys are just, you know, like weird trolls and runts and stuff. It, it's, it's very like veiled anti-Semitism. I don't even know if it's, you can call that veiled, but. Oh, A Pisa is a Jewish
1: frat. Like, I, I don't know what it is. So. Yeah, so is he's basically frat? saying like
0: like the, the Jewish frat is is just pathetic because like Jewish guys wow. are pathetic. So uh, when, you know, the supposed coding geniuses, they're like, I'm going to figure out an algorithm. Like, it's really not that hard to figure out, guys. You know, like Jewish guys were at the bottom of the ladder until Asian guys came. And now Asian guys are at the bottom of the ladder. And the Jewish guys, for all their faults, are still white. Therefore, you know, the Asian girls it is still a step up for them. The Jewish guys are the lowest hanging white guys. They're
2: not still white. They're now white.
0: Right. Uh, yeah, they're, they're, they've been white for a while now. So among, like, say, the, the what do you call it? the Winklevoss types, yeah, you're Jewish and you, your grade of whiteness is a bit lower. But when you compare it to Asians, you're now white, so you are still a step up. So... That's your very easy to figure out algorithm. You know, it doesn't take a Facebook genius <laughs> to come to that you conclusion. Should, uh, pat- you should patent that, Chris. Yeah, I should patent that.
2: <laughs> Another really great line from that movie was the Winkle Vi.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah, they have some great lines. Um,
2: <laughs> Aaron Sorkin is a good screenwriter.
0: He can. I, I feel like David Fincher uh, diluted his Aaron Sorkin to an extent.
2: Yeah, we talked about that. You said you had more faith in Aaron Sorkin movies as long as he has a very good director to rein him in but when it's aaron sorkin directing Uh,
0: i think i I said that about charlie kaufman because i've not seen an aaron sorkin directed movie but you know great writers don't make great directors and vice versa did Mm.
2: did aaron sorkin direct molly's i think he
0: did i never saw that but i think that was his debut
2: oh you should watch it it's good yeah it's good yeah he did direct it he directed it and he wrote it with with the actual molly molly bloom I'm, no that's a good movie i'm
1: not a i'm not a huge like stand of aaron sorkin as a writer or like i'm kind of a fan of fincher as a director but what i liked the most was actually um trent Reznor. oh yeah doing yeah. the the uh, score for social network and that was actually the movie that uh that like catapulted him into kind of um uh movie fame as a
2: yeah because he did like girl with the dragon tattoo yeah, he did a lot
1: of stuff i think he Did Fincher also
2: direct that movie? Do they have like a partnership uh, now, where it's like Rooney Mara and David Fincher and Trent Reznor, Reznor, Atticus Ross? Was
1: that team? Um, And I think uh, uh, Trent Reznor like won an Oscar eventually for one of these movies. For which one exactly? But but that movie really put him out there. And the soundtrack is sublime. Like it's it's it just fits the whole mood.
2: Fincher has not made a feature film in a while, so I am very much looking forward to Mank when it comes out this Mm. year. He's been focusing so much on Mindhunter, and I I like I'm I'm sick and tired of a se- uh, of a David Fincher series. I want I want a movie.
0: I will always defend the Aliens 3. Uh, I think <laughs> 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 it creeped me out as a little kid. I think that's the only reason. Um wh- one last thing I want to say about the social network. I-, I talk about how it captures like that campus culture very well. There's a there's a novel I love. It's called Loner by Teddy Wayne. Maybe we'll talk about it one day. Uh, but uh, I highly recommend it. if you like the social network and the kind of the, the whole uh, tension between, you know, being like a final clubs guy versus all the, you know, outsiders who can't get in. Read Loner. Mm-hmm. And so it's a great novel. Um, cool. Okay. Uh, I mean, you guys can talk about the social network again if you want, but we also, okay. So uh, I know, I know, Philip, you, you, you've been asking me like what the connection is with all this, with The Vow. Essentially, The Vow is a HBO documentary about Nexium, the the infamous cult, sex cult kind of thing. Anyway, the, the reason uh, I wanted you guys to watch it was, okay, so I'm, I'm watching The Vow, and it, it is ridiculous uh, at, at first glance. Like, how did these people fall for this thing with this ridiculous guru who is just spouting off total self-help nonsense, yet they pretty much went to the ends of the earth the ends of the earth being albany of course to be with him (laughs) and it's very easy to look down on these people right it's like oh they're just stupid they have low self-esteem whatever um and how could they be manipulated like that then i just started thinking about but how am i manipulated in ways i don't think and that's and i thought of like social media and you know the social dilemma does talk about Mm -hmm. how they're in the business of very imperceptibly changing your behavior. And that's what they're selling to advertisers. They're not exactly selling, you know, like blinking ads. They're like, they want to study your behavior so they'll know how to change it. So, you know, you'll buy this or that. So mm-hmm. that, that was the main connection I had. Plus like the subject matter is also quite ridiculous. So I mean that that's why I want to talk about the vow.
2: I actually was thinking the exact same thing. Um I had no interest in watching the vow, even when Chris brought it up, until Claire Bronfman started making the news this week because she was like one of the high-profile arrests in connection to mm-hmm. Nixium. Mm-hmm.
1: Chris, you're basically you're basically trying to draw the connection between social media and cults, right? You're saying social media has a lot of attributes or is a cult almost. I w- I'm saying that for most of us, the vast majority of people do not fall into cults,
0: and no, it is very easy for us to think those people are totally nuts and some of them are but to try to understand how that process happens
2: <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm, I'm- this is where uh i have to disagree with you on like you know uh, you know when we were talking about how like Nixium is like a sex cult the reason that people are so brought in is because and i think that the documentary does a really good job of this because like the first three episodes you have no idea it, it looks more like an advertisement about the positive aspects of mm-hmm. Nixium. Like they, they promote this um, ESP, this executive success program. Um, or program. Yeah. Success program. And like they talk all the, the usual new agey sounding language of self help for privileged people. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like, I don't know, it's kind of like Buddhism for white people, which I understand like a certain economic class is very drawn to that kind of thing. Uh, but it's so, like, it's so capitalist when you think about it. It's, like, all this stuff is, like, how can I get through all this negativity in my life so that I can, like, be a better person or a, a better worker, you know? I can be a better industrialist. And then, like, Nixium seems to tap in with a lot of creative-type people because it's, like, they claim to be using science um, to have it, like, They claim to be using like the scientific technology to unlock like um, it sounds so hokey, like your creative potential. But I understand what he's saying because when you when you watch the documentary, it's like all these people. You know, you're only as good as like your last movie or your last song or your last novel. And it's like, how can you, if you are a creative, you understand that these these creative bursts, they they only come along once in a while. Now, what if you could? Sh- what if you could figure out how to unlock it so it just came out consistently, and you're just always, always putting out like um, you're always producing output. Right. Well, what,
0: what are you disagreeing with me though?
2: Well, that the people are nuts. Oh, okay, yeah, I think that sane. this Nixium, Nixium, I think it attracts a certain kind of person that is actually not nuts. No, no yeah, it's that's not like true. a David Koresh, like Children mm-hmm. of God kind of thing or a Jim Jones yeah. thing. Yeah, the
0: majority, uh, the majority of of Nixium people were not nuts. I was talking more about. Like the the DOS people you know who are you know branding that those people I think went off the deep end but yeah you're right they he did prey upon um, you know I, I do think the entertainment industry was rife for being cherry picked for this because I mean you you see this with one of the people who played uh, Aunt Beru in the in the prequels of Star Wars and when she paused I was like oh my God that's Aunt Beru from like uh, Revenge of the Sith but that was like her only real role Mark
2: Vicente right yeah. Mark Vicente is one of the the main narrators of this documentary and uh, she's yeah, his body. wife right and then yeah. like
0: Sarah Edmondson who's one of the you know protagonists of the documentary she never went beyond she's like
2: a Canadian a struggling Canadian actor right she
0: never really did more than ads and stuff and then I, I'm sure mm-hmm. I'm sure it's a very lonely profession full of really shitty people who are all hyper competitive yeah. yeah. uh, shallow is, but these
2: are like like if you look at these women it's like she is both women are like super talent like super attractive and they are talented and smart women
0: right um but i'm sure in the industry they were in they probably felt
1: like yeah they're come on they're, they're like stuff. they're like c-list and b-list at most right they're not a-list stars they, yeah. they're the ones and i guess the struggle is to become that a-list star and that's the kind of character that gets sucked into these cults right in in mm-hmm. in cult or like new religious movement nrm uh studies there's this term called seekers which are basically the people who are ripe for being sucked into a cult because they're looking for something, right? And Nexium has basically set up this product, this like service, this pro- like ESP success program to cater to those specifically. And it's speakers.
2: so trendy too, like life yeah, coaching, yeah, yeah. It's all like trendy, and professional professional they have like you know they have the
1: stupid sashes, like the, the which they ripped off of like you know martial arts, <laughs> like your your belts with your 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 stripes and stuff. And that's all to build a whole MLM structure to draw in more and more people. So Nixium is like. You know, pretty classic and DOS, right? Like the sex cult within Nixium. It's a pretty classic cult structure. But what I kind of disagree with, Chris, with your your statement is that I don't think social media is a cult. I don't think social media is a well, cult. Well, that's
0: like, I'm not making a one to one comparison.
1: I'm saying it has certain I
0: think elements that of it. What he's
2: saying is that social media, it, it preys on the same needs yeah. and desperation. Of Par- just like of people who just want to be validated, and they want to feel like they belong. I think parts of
1: it does. I think the analogy from the, the social dilemma, where social media is more of an addiction than it is necessarily like a cult, is a closer analogy, right? Because it has all the kind of things around like dopamine shots and like timing your your uh, you know your your uh, attachment to this to this uh, activity that has a lot more to do with addiction than with cults. I think the parts of social media that are close to cults are. Specifically, like the political radicalization areas, which we're kind of aware of, right, on the left and the right, and also like the conspiracy theory parts, like QAnon is a big one right now, right? Those exhibit really, really close similarities with cults, because you have people who are like, you know, they're, they're missing something in life, they're looking for something to fill like maybe a political void in their lives. Um, they're, they're more maybe more gullible in some cases, right? Like with QAnon, they have a lot of uh, overlap with the anti-vaxxer people who are like anti-science so that part I think has a lot more to do with like the trappings of what is by definition a cult but for the rest of us like I can have a perfectly good self-esteem and like like you know like a you know a, a, a celebrity and what they're wearing or like you know a chef and what they're cooking and it doesn't mean like I need to fall into some kind of like cult of personality in order to you know like or retreat some nice photo on, on social media, right? For most people, I think it's it's not cult-like behavior, but it is addictive behavior.
0: But it, I think it is preying on the same impulses. So like for one thing, like the way, for example, social media, especially like Twitter and like Instagram, they, you know, the f- whole followers thing, I mean, they have to have spent a lot of time and research selecting that particular phrase, which until recently, I never really thought that much about. But, you know, in order to be a... F- Cause like a follower, like there's really no good connotation with follower, right? Nobody wants to be a follower. Everyone wants to be followed cause that makes you a leader. And with something like Nexium, there is this whole, it's this whole like Ivy league Silicon Valley ideology where everyone has to be a leader. If you ever pick up a college brochure or any like success academy, like charter school thing, they're always about, you know, churning out leaders, leaders you know, everyone's a leader, you know, things like that. And you look at, you know, I, I think of how like someone like the, Bronf, the Bronfman sisters got involved and, you know, someone like uh, India Oxenberg, who was, who's a daughter of...
2: Didn't they get involved because their dad attended a seminar? Yeah, something like... Th- Edgar Bronfen? Uh, I think
0: something like that. Uh, but for their personal motivation, my guess is... I feel like is we're that- not
2: doing a good job explaining exactly what the vow is about. Like, what's the vow?
0: Oh, the vow itself? Like, why... They call-
2: yeah, like, I think that for our audience listeners that, like, don't understand why a documentary about nixium is called The Vow. Oh,
0: because they gotta make a whole bunch of like crazy pledges um uh to to like their superiors. I mean the most extreme being in, in DOS, there was like a it's master like a, slave um, uh
1: relationship. It's like an
2: MLM within an MLM. Yep. And if you're in that inside circle within the MLM, you have to make this pledge where you start giving up collateral to prove your devotion. And that collateral is like incriminating evidence, um, about you, like, um, some secrets that you might have that could lead to like social ruin or nude photos of yourself mm-hmm. or, title or deeds like, to your house. in like one that. case, yeah, somebody pat- handed over the deed to her mm-hmm. house. Yeah. And then <clears throat> you have to like, st- if you're, there's always women and if you, um, you if if you are a certain kind of woman like if you are pretty and thin because he likes them really thin you are basically just being groomed to have sex with keith rainier who is at the center uh he is the leader of um Nixium, the leader and founder yeah
0: and i was having this conversation with a with a friend who also who recommended the series to me and we both agreed that like keith rainier is a really goofy looking guy like you would not one look at him you will not think that this guy is a genius or a charismatic leader but I think it helped him because when people because this is what Sarah (laughs) said is he a genius I mean I know he keeps talking all the
2: people keep saying things like oh my god this guy has like a 240 IQ and I'm like is that real the
1: the funniest thing was they're like he triple majored in like computer science math and physics or something and I was like oh three very similar areas of study like that's not impressive (laughs) (laughs) But
0: anyway I, I think it helped that he
1: <laughs> didn't look that great because yeah. uh, Sarah Edmondson
0: when she she she's actually quite skeptical when she starts nexium like when she sees like the sashes she thought they were really stupid which is how we relate to her and, and why she it's fascinating how she got so sucked into it but mm-hmm. she sees the guy he's like he's just like you know weird short little guy like why did people think he was so great but then that made her think, if people follow him despite how he looks then he must really have something whereas if he was you know physically very attractive did sarah
2: edmondson have sex no.
0: with
1: no no she never did because she i think um she was brought in to be the the she,
2: she was branded and everything yeah. like she has his initials yeah, on her yeah, she
0: explicitly says so that he never made an advance on her and and the reason uh, i think it was twofold one she got married to that nippy guy who was also uh high up in the thing so um you know he, he was
2: Society of Protectors, okay, let's, he was SOP, which let's is get like to
0: the, the male version.
2: It's the male fraternity version of the MLM within the MLM. I mean that,
0: oh God, let, let's just talk like, about that name. One
2: is all men, and then one <laughs> is all women. Let's
0: talk about the name. That's like the most uh, insecure, like bro name ever. The Society of Protectors. Like, how can you take that seriously?
1: Um, but they do. So. Philip,
0: you are saying how it made you cringe when you first heard it, right?
1: It's terrible. It's fucking stupid. <laughs> and, and like the, the kind of clips they show from the Society of Protectors is like, you know, Keith Raniere going in and saying like, "Oh, we have to like be better men. We know we have to like." Look at the man who's in, you know, this is like post-Trump, right? So, like, look at the man who's, like, at head of office right now. Like, we had to have, like, create a world where we have less of that and more of us. It's just super fucking cringy. And the fact that, like, everything he says is completely meaningless, like, nothing. The thing that bothered me the most about watching the clips was, like, all his, like, self-help bullshit was just saying absolutely nothing, right? But somehow yeah. he managed to enrapture these people in this, in this cult. Right. They did say that he fixed some people's stutters, though. Maybe there was at least something yeah, I, that I, people I, could I, hold on to. Maybe, I maybe. Know. I don't know. I, I It's yeah. easy to call bullshit on a lot of that stuff, including his IQ, right? Yeah.
0: But anyway, regarding Sarah, I think it was because she was married to Nippy. And two, I think uh, the reason why she was brought in was she she was their pipeline into the entertainment industry along with That's Mark right. Vicente. That's right.
2: I see. So they needed her for her connection. Right. Yeah, so right. she wasn't
0: really... I mean, she, she is like an attractive actress, but I don't think... I think that was like not really her I purpose there I think he's there. into
1: blondes actually that's what I think and she's uh, uh,
0: I mean not at first but yeah I, I guess he like upgrades later, <laughs> to put her crew. yeah because
1: like a lot of the, yeah. the women who are in there are blondes and like she's she's a stark brunette I think that's honestly yeah. part of it right Unspoken. Yeah, and you
0: know the blonde the, the one that everyone knew of when, when this uh, broke I thought was, she
2: was attractive who Sarah? yeah she yeah, is yeah, I mean, she yeah. Is, yeah.
0: Um, but I mean, speaking of blondes, Alison Mack was, you know, became like a, a super celebrity for all the wrong reasons. When when this f- story first well, she's broke, she's famous mm-hmm. now. Yeah, um, she's been arrested. She just right? uh,
1: pled guilty like
0: two days ago. So yeah, I mean, <laughs> she. Uh, there's this like movie that I like, even though it's not good. Uh, Honey, we shrunk ourselves. She she played like the main character there. So it it always made me kind of sad that, uh, you know, Jenny from, uh, Honey, we shrunk ourselves became you know, the real life Alice and Mac, But there's this part where I, f- I found very fascinating. It's when I think she first talks to Keith at, at their volleyball games. And he asks her, like, why, why does art mean so much to you? And she can't even answer the question. She's just like, it just makes me feel things, whatever. And he starts saying, like, um, maybe that's from within. Maybe you don't need art. And she starts crying. And I'm like, why is she crying? And I think it's because, like, a lot of these, uh, you know, Art, uh, actors and musicians who are in very precarious situations. I don't think she wanted to really be an actress anymore. I think she either she realized she didn't like it uh, because she'd been a- She wasn't gonna make either it. Either she wasn't gonna make it or she'd been kind of forced into it because she was a child actress. Uh, she t- talked about being an actress since she was four. So maybe it really wasn't her choice. Maybe her parents made her do it. And she always thought she had to do it and always succeed in it. And then this gave her like another purpose because a lot of these people, they don't have a purpose. I think that's how the Bronfmans, how India Oxenberg get into it because they're like very privileged. I think they know they come with this massive advantage in life, but they realize they haven't done Their anything with it. Their parents are
2: so accomplished and right. famous and like beloved. And then
0: here comes Keith Rainier and uh, Nazi, n- not Nazi. Well, that's actually <laughs> brought up, Salzburg. you know, like...
2: <laughs> It's it's actually brought up when they talk about the case of India Oxenberg. So her mother is Catherine Oxenberg, who played um, Heather Locklear's arch rival on the show Dynasty, and she is like she, they talk about her family line, and she is like descended from Russian aristocracy right, yeah. and like British ar- aristocracy, and like her, her mother is the Princess uh, Elizabeth of Yugoslavia. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then she went on to become like this big movie star and uh, India Oxenberg like does nothing. And like, I hate to say it, but like, but she doesn't have the advantages of her mother. She's not like, she's not like a, like a great beauty. Like her mother is her mom is like 60 and she's still beautiful.
0: Yeah, and she might not have like the drive or the charisma or something. And, and you know, I did kind of feel yeah. bad for those types of kids. who. I mean, that does happen are... to a
2: lot of children of celebrities. Like they don't have the talent and the charisma and like the unconventional, like the unusual Yeah, but they, the, but they also have. the. but they also have the
1: expectation that they fall in their parents' footsteps, right? If they didn't have but, those like, expectations. Yeah, right, like
2: triple the expectations. Yeah, they'd be
1: fine, but they do. And, and, and
0: that, not only that, but I bet nobody really teaches them anything. Because everyone will just be yes-men to them because, you know, because of their parents right and you know the only mm-hmm. way you get good at something is you know people critique you you got to struggle it's a process yeah. right but someone like her i bet she's like i want to be an actress be like okay here here's like a tv movie you can do nobody really says anything like oh you got to be better you got to go to this you know school mm-hmm. get get this teacher nobody probably really did that and then she's like 20 25 and kind of on a zero and everything. <laughs> I'll join a cult, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then yeah, you can kind of see why uh you know Keith Rainier with
1: his easy answers, with his bullshit ESP or whatever. Yeah. Uh it can be so appealing to these people. If he does have like the highest IQ, it's in the area of, of like emotional like uh quotient EQ, right? Like he he understands how to yeah, manipulate yeah, people. Yeah, yeah.
2: He can manipulate people yeah. really well. Mm-hmm. You know that scene that you're talking about in the volleyball gym with Al- Allison yeah. Mack and Keith Chris. Mm-hmm. The my the thing that really struck me the most was when she was talking to him, and then he like he says, "Okay, I'll talk to you later. Like, thank you for this. This was uh, really good." Like, they're eming, and then he like he's like, "Do you hug?" And she says to him, "I hug and I kiss." And they kiss on the lips and hug. And I'm like, she's like inviting right yeah, and and i think that was the first
0: time they ever talked right was like, yeah
2: yeah yeah and then she talks about how like she was so excited to finally like get some face-to-face time with him yeah because mm-hmm.
1: she's probably seen him around before and and like one of the things they pointed out about him being a creep was that he kisses people on the lips like that's the way he greets yeah. people
2: right but like when they show that part it's like allison definitely wanted
1: she's a seeker she wanted in for, she wanted in even before she like spoke to me yeah that, that's when she right? has the exact personality traits. And, like, you know, part in her life course where she would fall into this kind of thing. And she became the, basically, second-in-command in in the sex cult, DOS.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, she was responsible for recruiting a lot of people, yeah.
1: Yep, super fucked.
2: You told me to go to episode three to at least get a feel for what Nixium was about. But I actually went to, like, I went to the end of episode four, just to go a little Mm -hmm. deeper. And uh, they, like... It's like I kept waiting for more juicy tidbits on the sex call. <laughs> it's like they just don't deliver. There's some, there's
1: some raunchy – not raunchy, but like some uh, some nudes and shit that they show um, in I think the fifth or sixth episode when they're talking through.
2: I'm probably not going to make it that far, <laughs> but tell us about that. I can't.
1: You have to look, you have to look at them. They're I was nudes. like
2: well, – because so if you only watch what I watched, majority of what you're getting ad, is yeah. like – Okay, so this is like definitely—it's um, definitely a very expensive course, but it does seem to like—it does seem like it works.
0: Eh, oh, you mean for the people in it? Yeah, people. Well, yeah, like yeah. I,
2: like if you only go to episode three, like um, you only, it's, it, the pacing is so slow that before, like, you have to go through like three hours of episodes before you finally get to the darkness.
1: Yeah, if you if you um if you know what like CBT, like cognitive behavioral therapy is, my I've gone through it before mm-hmm. and my kind of um assessment from the first two episodes is like, oh, this is like kind of like fake ass CBT. But if these questions that he's asking you to go through like the EM, you know, exercises and shit where they like ask you like the five whys, basically like why why this, why that, why this. If that actually helps people get to the the core of their insecurities and they can overcome them, I can see why they would like find mm-hmm. themselves advancing in their careers after doing this course but it's still a fucking mlm and it's still a cult right and there's still yeah, like, and I, shit I got, going down, so. i got
2: more of the darkness from looking it up on wikipedia like when they talk about their 12 point mission statement and it is something like um to ethically control all the resources and finances in the world what? and i'm what? like wait ethically <laughs> I what see that. that sounds <laughs> like
0: Oh, like a world domination scheme. There,
2: it's in right. That's what I'm saying. It's it's like it's on their Wikipedia page, and they never say that in the documentary. And I'm like, you should like say yeah. that. <laughs> that's a red flag right there.
1: It, it is. It is that, remarkable. That's in their 12. Did points, you guys find it remarkable how much 12
2: point mission statement? How much
1: like footage they have from like all the shit that's happened like in the history of the entire. Organization.
2: Yeah, it's because, well, so I had to look that up too because I was like, why is there so much footage for such a secret call? There is a shitload <laughs> yeah. of recorded yeah. phone calls and like there's a shitload of video footage. So- Apparently, it's because um, they're all taught that everything that Keith says is so important that it must be documented. So everybody is encouraged to record every single phone call they have with him and with each other. And anytime that um, they're around Keith, someone has to be Okay, so that proves it. that he is
1: not the smartest man in the world. <laughs>
2: <laughs> right. right. Bound it all
1: up into the new Quran, the prophet Keith. <laughs>
2: Now there is just, like, video and um, audio evidence against mm-hmm. him, like, mm-hmm. everywhere.
0: Uh, we're approaching an hour, so I think, uh, I mean, we can talk for a bit more, but I uh, just wanted to let you know, guys know what time it is. Mm-hmm. Um, any, any more thoughts on, on, the, on these things we watched, uh, The Social Dilemma, The Social Network, and The Vow?
1: I came into this conversation just hoping to refute your claim that social media is a, a cult. And you I know, literally.
0: Yeah. I, I think it took me way too literally on that. I was just I, trying I to say yeah, that there is there is a link in in how it affects uh, the way we think. And want things and how there are people be either, ex, you know, behind the scenes or explicitly in front of you who know how to push those buttons because yeah, you where they want you to go. Because
2: everyone has the same basic needs, right? Yeah. right? Everyone has that sense, like they, they have a need to belong and they have a need for community and they have a need for love and validation. That's a takeaway. And it's like, they're just, it's just, there's like... There's nothing really that deep to tap into. It's just that some people are more successful at it than others, and like cult figures have, they they are really good at it, and like social media is really good at it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it's the dopamine rush. I think that was
1: a a good takeaway from you know the Nxivm story and the vow, and like I think the 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 New York Times uh, writer who wrote the article, the, the big breakout article on Nxivm, said this in his interview. He was like basically saying. What struck me was that, like all these really successful, attractive, you know, like famous-ish people, still got sucked. <laughs> yeah, ish, right, list, but still got sucked into this thing, right? So, if anything,
2: because if you're famous and you're successful and you're wealthy, it doesn't mean that you don't have yeah, those needs Yeah, but that's a anymore. good lesson
1: for quote unquote normal people to to take from this whole thing, right? Like we're not, we're all fallible, right? Hmm. Anyway, definitely.
2: So, Philip, you and I talked about how um, your wife was really into, like, cult podcasts, mm-hmm. like the ones that Parcast does. I used to listen to the same ones. And, okay, so, like, take away take away the, um, like, the weird sex culty mm-hmm. people. And, like, like, just at the root of all of it, I can see the appeal. Like, who wouldn't want, like, a circle of friends that you call family that you could spend, like, 24 seven with, you know, you do everything with, you share all your secrets, you go on vacation together, you spend holidays together, your kids play together. Like it provides that for you. It's yeah. just that they're extort they're, they're like taking something from you, which is the bad part of yeah. a cult you know,
0: Tell me, tell me what this sounds like. Uh, a group of people who support you, uh, you know, teachers who will reward you for good behavior, uh, you know, weekends where you can go away to like a camp and all that. What what does that sound like? A functioning society? <laughs> no it sounds like college doesn't it oh it does, yeah yeah
2: it sounds it sounds like the four-year experience of college if you are a room and boarder if you're a commuter then mm-hmm.
0: no that's why so it, it's like it's yeah. not that crazy uh why i mean it, it is kind of crazy but it's also understandable why if you were in like a bad situation you felt lonely yeah. etc why this would be appealing to you
2: yeah, I can see that too. Like, I, I don't think it's crazy at all for for you to want those things. Like, I, I will admit to myself, like, I still want those right, things, yeah. and I'm like, how old? Yeah, sure. It never goes away. I
0: mean, I like to think that if I were in like the first ESP course and they were spouting all that bullshit about like hacking your mind, I'd be like, okay, I'm out of here. But you know, who knows? Oh, right? I
2: think that the 12 point mission statement <laughs> would have gotten me where they're just like, we we aim to ethically control all the finances and the resources of the world. Like, do yeah. you want to know what?
0: Right. <laughs> but you know, like Sarah was also very skeptical when she first went in and you're like, man, like what, what, why didn't you leave? You know? and yeah all right uh, uh any further thoughts i'm
1: good all good man yeah this this uh this this the series isn't over it's on episode six there's like nine in total so i'm curious to see what happens oh yeah and also like it's,
2: i didn't realize that they're not done dropping no, episodes not done. and also like this then I- i'll be honest i'm probably not gonna continue I'm, I'm, <laughs> no, no, we, we'll uh, if anything I'll, spicy I'll happens you yeah we'll bring we'll, we'll bring you it up, we'll
1: bring yeah. it up. But also, yeah, like, yeah.
2: If something if something exciting the, happens, then um, I will tune in for that specific. Yeah, and part. I think it was
1: like they started releasing these episodes or like they started the series around the time when all these like trials are happening. So like Keith Raniere is going to be tried in the next uh, thirty days or so. So should be interesting to see what happens.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. So um. I guess we're just uh, we're just gonna spend the week waiting to see if Trump dies yep. Yeah, that's what um, we're doing
0: yeah I don't think he's gonna die I think he's gonna outlive all his children that's been my prediction for a long time so yeah <laughs> easily refreshing Twitter yeah so anyway that was our episode thanks for listening we'll be back next week bye everyone bye bye <laughs>